another episode of Murder, Myth, and Mystery. I'm your host, Mary, and I have with me Eric and Janine. Say hi, guys. Hey, guys. Hey. I said say hi, not hey. Oh, hi, guys. Hi. <laughs> Just kidding. But I did like that you made the corrections. That was great. <laughs> we are obedient. <laughs> <laughs> we have been assimilated. Yes, I like it. Are you ready to talk murder? I'm ready. Let's I'm ready hear to it, talk Janine. murder. Uh, so recently in the news, we saw a not guilty verdict for the Minnesota policeman who shot uh, Philando Castiel. Which uh, is upsetting, to Which say is the really least. upsetting. It's sad and, and disgusting. It really makes me sick. So the story I am telling today is another black man who was murdered, where his um, murderers... Was that the word? Murderers? Murderers. Also got away with it. It also rings true because it's in my hometown where oh, I grew up. Really? Yeah, this all happened in my hometown. Wow. It did? It sure did. Um, in 1925, Robert Marshall was lynched by an angry mob that included several Klansmen and citizens of Castlegate. So Castlegate is no longer there. It's, it's now Price, Utah. And Wellington, Utah, which is where I grew up. So they they changed the name then to to Price so, from Castlegate. It was like the greater area was just called Castlegate. Right, Castlegate was just the greater area where there were a lot of coal mines. Right, and now it's just Castle kind of Price. Yes, right. yes, yeah. Castle Valley. Yeah, you'll still hear it like Castle Valley Hospital. Also, side yeah. note: Doesn't Castlegate sound like some undercover government? <laughs> Castlegate. I think it sounds like, like Watergate. a. No, I think it sounds like a a polygamous sec. Oh, Castlegate. Okay. Castlegate. Oh. Like, yeah, I like that one. Yeah. Right. I, I think Castle Rock, the uh, the old Stephen King things for all the, the Stephen King novels. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, so this was the last documented lynching of a black man in the Western United States. This is the event. Okay. And what year was this? 1925. 1925. So the area, it, if you're familiar with the area, it's it's got a lot of coal mines. That's the main industry is coal mining. So Robert Marshall was a black coal miner he, where he was working for the Utah Fuel Company. He was suspected of killing a white enforcement officer who also worked for the mine and was a marshal for the town, which I think is just kind of like something fishy is going on there. So this enforcement officer was the marshal as well? Yes. Okay. Yes. So he, so uh, Robert Marshall was suspected of killing this white law enforcement um, officer. So what happened, what is said to have happened is Marshall quit his job after feuding with Milton Burns, who was both the company agent and, uh, and the Castlegate town marshal. The same evening, Burns was making his rounds when he was shot five times. He died the following evening. Now, there's no witnesses to... The murder, and there's no evidence to who committed the murder. But two boys said they saw a black man running from the scene. Since black men are scarce in Carbon County in 1925, they're still scarce um, there today. In Utah in general, yes. uh, Utah in general. The effect narrowed. They, they efficiently narrowed the suspects down to Marshall uh, because everyone knew about this feud that they had had. Marshall had hid out at another worker's shack for about three days. And then on June 18th, June 18th, he was captured. So whether or not Marshall 
actually killed Milton Burns. It's the next part of the story that's upsetting to me um, because he was essentially punished without going through any sort of due process. So the news of Marshall's capture had spread fast, and by the time the deputies drove to the courthouse with Marshall in the car, a crowd was waiting for him. The mob forced the deputies out of the car, drove it about three miles south with an escort of about 100 other vehicles. So when they say three miles south from where they were at, that would have put them in Wellington, which is the city I grew up in. It's just a little teeny city. And they took him to the what the, was the hanging tree. They had like this tree for it. Hold on, I'm sorry. Do they still have the tree down there? They, they did for a long time, but it has since been cut down. It was actually um on my... I have some relatives through marriage that was on their property, but it's been since been cut down. Good. But I think they had it. I think it was still there up into like the 80s, maybe 90s. Wow, that check. seems way too long. Yeah, right? Well, and also in mining towns in general, there's just a lot of prejudice because with mining, you had, you had a lot of... Um, Asians that were brought in to mine for super cheap. You had the black men that were brought in for mining, and you had the Irishmen that were brought in for mining. So all three uh, races were considered less than the white race, but they also had like their own. They also had like their own rating system within that. So like, the Irish were considered higher than the black men. The black men considered higher than um, the Chinese. So it's kind of a weird time anyway. A lot, always a lot of racism, a lot of fighting. And when, whenever you put that many uh, men who are away from home, who drink a lot in these awful conditions, like the coal mining in general was just awful, awful conditions. Um, you know, like a lot of the time they didn't even have cities established when they were, they just had these little coal mining where they lived out of tents. So generally, you put that many men together with that many different uh, traditions and backgrounds, you're going to get a lot of fighting, a lot of prejudice. But what makes me sad is like they were all considered less than the white man, which is just awful because Irish are white, too. Like I don't understand that. Anyway, sorry, I went on a rant there. Um, it's okay. It was a good rant. <laughs> hey, it's something that, that still permeates mm-hmm. America yes, today. Yes, it does. Absolutely. There was, so there were a couple different, there's a couple books written about this and a couple different things I, um, I'd read out of newspapers on the topic. And there wasn't really a lot of evidence that Marshall had committed the crime. But there was one newspaper who wrote the story as, the, the deputies had pulled up and the mob was there and they knew the mob was there and they like walked into the station anyway, leaving him with the mob, like knowing there's going to be an issue. Others, uh, the other newspaper story kind of described it as they were kind of overtaken by the mob. So I don't know which it was, but anyway, they took the car that had Marshall in it and they took him to the hanging tree. By the time the deputies got there, which was about 10 minutes later, they had already hung Marshall. Then they cut him down from the tree and they were loading him into the car, but realized he was still alive. So the mob at that point then overtook that this, all the newspapers were the same on this fact. The mob had overtook the deputies at that point and went and hung him again and to ensure he was dead. Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Right. Holy cow. So like, like, Hey, it just blows my mind that you survived. (laughs) 
Yeah. I hang it. And B, just the, the fact that there was just no, all it was, all it was was rumor. That I wonder if this. it's kind of like uh, your Leo Frank story. I think the lynching where it said that the mob went in and like busted down and got him. But yeah, everything well, else pointed to like they just kind of moved to the side. I agree. I think it is a little bit like that. But what's funny in this one is that that the mob was like right there, like right when they arrested him. Like he didn't even get booked in the jail. They took him before they even got booked. And so all of the rumors must have spread within that three days where there was the manhunt for him. And it's so weird in that time where there's not an easy way to communicate with one another. Like, oh, I just text you or called you. Right. That they were all there. Right. I also think it might have been. Right. Right. (laughs) I know. Right. But I also think it might have been easier to spread false rumors as well. Just I mean, it's easy now, but. At least people do have a tool to research if they want to know whether or not it's the truth. You know, back back then they didn't. Everything's word of mouth. Yep. Gossip, gossip. Gossip. Yep. So Marshall was lynched June 18th, 1925. There were 17 lynchings in the country that year, which was down from the the previous three years where where it was an average of 57 per year. So yeah. it's already starting to come down. And that that not happening, but he was one of 17 that year. Uh, reports indicated that Marshall's body was um, photographed. I actually, so it was photographed hanging from the tree and then placed on display at the local funeral parlor, which wasn't unheard of to place like criminals on display. Pictures of the hanging were sold to the townspeople for 25 cents. So I did... Send you a picture of the actual hanging. I don't know whether or not you want to post it. I don't know. It's grisly. So I'll I'll let you look at it and leave it up to you. Um, it took me a while to find the picture. But I mean, I'll post it. I feel like anyone can go and look at it. You know what I yeah. mean? And especially, I mean, going back to the whole Leo Frank, there was a picture of him. That's true. Being hung. I yeah. chose not to put that on because it was really disturbing. Yeah. But then, I mean, last week or the week prior i did all those ed game pictures yeah which were really disturbing (laughs) i mean a nipple belt and chairs made of skin but again that's that's not a person there so yeah well it sort of is well yeah yeah parts of them you know what i mean (laughs) anyway so I'll, i'll let you post it um so the governor at the time george dern he was under pressure for the naacp to condemn the lynching as a crime of disgrace so Lynching is on a decline. They're starting to try and like weed out the KKK. So he asked the district attorney, Fred W. Keller, to investigate. Um, Fred eventually charged 11 men, including six members of the posse that captured Marshall. He charged the the six members of the posse were KKK. Uh, Out of the 11 men he he charged, Mm. six of them were KKK. And the others were also well-known leaders within the town. Um, so he charged them all with first-degree first murder. There was over 100 witnesses that he called to get them to testify and to possibly, positively identify the perpetrators. And all 100 said, we didn't see them, or um, this isn't the same men. Or, so like all 100 of them claimed oh. it wasn't them. So the 11 men who were charged with first-degree murder all went free. 
There was one story that described the atmosphere at the gel, gel after the men went free, that it was like festive and that they were even given the prisoners drinks um, with this like festive atmosphere, like they had won some. Good uh, news, boys. Yeah. Kind of deal. Wow. One, one person reported at the time, why make waves? Listen to this. Why make waves with these boys? Just like you said, why make waves with these boys now? Uh, the deed is done. It saved the town a bunch of money. They would have hung him anyway. So just really justifying it. Wow. Yeah. And I try to think of it from both sides. Like like uh, Milton Burns, who was murdered, also had a family, had, you, you know, like he had people that cared about him. But I feel like they also owed it to that family to make sure they were taking down the right murderer. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it may have been Robert Marshall, and he may have ended up hanging anyway, but I feel like their family also deserved them to do to do that and make sure that's who it was. Right. And as an American, he was entitled to a he fair was trial. Absolutely. Absolutely. So the Salt Lake Tribune... Uh, let's see. The Salt Lake Tribune... Uh, wrote a story at the time um, and they said vengeance was claimed was like the title of the story vengeance was claimed yeah that was the tribune yeah wow yeah and then there was also a lot of articles from the sun advocate which is funny because um it's still called the the paper in town is still called the sun advocate it's like the only paper in town well Um, we still have the salt lake tribune so it's true also wrote um a lot of articles on justice being done at the time um keller who was the lawyer said and i quote how can these people who testified demand others to uphold the law of the United States of America to give equal justice to all races, live next to and around all men involved in the lynching. So meaning all these people testified that it wasn't those men, but like they live with them, they live around them, they know they're guilty, and they were demanding justice for Milton Burns, who was the the victim. They were demanding justice for him, but... He's saying, like, how can you demand justice for one but not another? Right. Well, maybe it was fear. It could have been, because we all know KKK did um, establish a lot of fear in people. I mean, that's just oh, totally. how they, yeah, that's fear, how they fear ruled. Fear tactics were huge, yeah. He went on to say, I'm ashamed at the disgraceful mockery of the law and order which has resulted in the affair right from the beginning and and the manner in which the state has been held up to the ridicule. May God take pity on you. Wow. So that's the lawyer. Like, he's not happy. There is a Dr. Larry... I, I'm going to screw his last name up. It's... Sorry. <laughs> I almost said I'm going to screw. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Larry Gerlich, I believe, G-E-R-L-A-C-H. Okay. He um, was a past chairman of the History Department at University of Utah, and he'd done extensive research on the lynching of Robert Marshall, wrote a book called um, Blazing Crosses in Zion, the KKK in Utah, or the Ku Klux Klan in Utah. He made, in this book, he'd made a comment, it was common knowledge that Burns, the, the guy that was murdered, and virtually all of the 11 men charged in the lynching were Klansmen. So not only were the men clansmen that did the lynching, but the the guy the that victim was murdered, was, yeah. which makes them extra want to do this. Yep, and especially want to hold a, a black, black man, man accountable. Right. Yep. Robert Marshall 
was not buried in the cemetery. Like as like the last disrespect to them, he, they buried him outside of the cemetery and he was in an unmarked grave for 73 years. Oh my gosh. Um, the cemetery since grown. So like he's now part of the cemetery. Uh, but in 1998, there, um, there was a group that decided to mark his grave. So they, they put together a headstone for him. There was a whole event. So they, like they did it on Marshall, um, Marshall. Oh my gosh. Martin Luther King's birthday, uh, and did a whole like kind of, um, wanted to bring public awareness around and did a whole, what I think they called it reconciliation and forgiveness event is what they were calling it. They gathered at the cemetery and dedicated a gravestone for Marshall, uh, Robert Marshall. This kind of heated up the whole issue again because in the town there are still kids and grandkids of the 11 men that were accused of the lynching. And so they were they were kind of saying why why punish the, you know, the kids and why bring it back up and then the editor of the the Tribune, excuse me, the Sun Advocate also made a comment of he was a murderer like why are we honoring him and it was was like a big deal like for he was never a convicted murderer though but like it was a big deal like they're upset that he was being honored so they did put the headstone on uh that said it says robert marshall robert marshall lynched june 18th 1925 a victim of intolerance may god forbid forgive yeah so i went and saw it and i got some pictures of the headstone to upload for you but um like they were trying to make it right during the reconciliation and forgiveness event um gerlach who wrote the book said robert marshall was lynched because he was in a black man community solidarity kept the 11 accused from coming to trial this is certainly an act of racism so the lynching at price when it happened, threaten what other threatening acts raised public awareness for the Klan activities, and eventually it led to the an, the anti mask ordinances in Ogden, Salt Lake City, and Logan. What is an anti mask ordinance like? Is it talking like Ku Klux Klan? Like, but it's anti. Well, that's so, what I'm saying. Yeah. So yeah, nothing where yeah. you cover your face kind of deal. Is right. A- so they're starting to like unmask the Ku Klux Klan. They're trying to start oh, to weed them out. Yeah. So, so no it, more anonymity within there right. and stuff. Okay. So it started to lead to that, and then the laws proved highly effective. As by 1926, so a year later, they either drove the Klansmen underground or out of the organization altogether for fear of possible social, political, or business repercussions. So almost like the, the anti-mask uh, ordinance kind of, kind of flipped it on them where they, if they knew they were part of the clan, they would stop doing business with them or they would out them. Nice. It, it became more of a, yeah. That's really good. Um, and as the clan became less powerful, it was easier for people to come forward. So nevertheless, the clan remained active in Utah Uh, up into the 1930s but its numbers were few and actions inconsequential with the local affairs by 1932 evidence of the clan in utah had disappeared altogether and have remained absent until 1979 when an apparently brief resurgence occurred in southwestern salt lake valley which i didn't go into because i thought that might be a whole new story in itself (laughs) Southwestern Salt Lake Valley in 79. That'd have to be like South Jordan or something like that. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. Southwestern would be South Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, 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 South Jordan, what you say? Yep. Um, but the headstone is great. I, I'll send it to you. I love that it just says Robert Marshall lynched. Yeah. That's the whole top. <clears throat> and then it gives his, um, the date he was lynched and victim of intolerance. That's great. Yeah. Wow. That, that's now, a- see, there's a memorial, unlike our... Right. That's so true. Yeah. Of that's, Casper, Wyoming. Yeah. And it was short and sweet and to the point. And I liked that about yeah. it. Yeah. But yeah, that's I mean, one way or another, he may very well have been guilty, like you know, like yeah. you said on there. He might have been guilty, but Trial. he was still an American. He mm-hmm. you commit a crime in America, you get tried as an American. You mm-hmm. get a trial amongst your yeah, it'll be a you know, a jury of your peers, which may not end up being a very fair trial in his circumstance where he's at, unless it got sent to Salt Lake City or something. Right. But yeah, still he deserves to be to have a you know, a lawyer be represented and all that. He didn't even get to step foot in the police station. Right. Yeah, he didn't make it there. I mean, that's just so sad. horrifying that yeah. that happened. I agree with you. Like he very well could have been a murderer, but it could have been anyone too. Like there's no evidence. And th- like I said, those coal mining towns, they were crazy. They oh, were crazy. Yeah. People from all over the world, literally, looking for work. Right. And it was Western. It was the West, the West, just like you see in the movies, where there is very little law, very few laws, you know, and everyone's carrying guns. That's still cold country out there. I mean, there's Helper, right? The Mm -hmm. little town of Helper, right before you get to Price when you're driving down that way. Yep. Um, Very busy, coal mine. You still see the trains going by with tons of cars full of coal. Janine's dad worked in the coal. Yeah, Yeah. my dad was a coal miner. My brother's coal miners. Yeah, it's still coal country. Loretta Lynn was a coal miner's daughter. (laughs) But not in Price. Not in Price, Price, no. Oh, I wish, man. But yeah. That's a bummer. But uh, no, that that was a great story. Thank you, Janine. I've never heard of it. And Thank the whole you. thing of Philando Castile just made me that much more upset too. Just, yeah, it just it kind of just kind of rang true for me. Uh, just the whole injustice of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so um, because of the the kind of wild west ways, um, the Price City Cemetery actually has like several what they would cons- you would consider outlaws and stuff buried there. It's actually an interesting place to go and visit and see some of the headstones. I and- would never think that from Price. Yeah. What do they places. have? Who do they have? Um, so I don't... I put you on the spot, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that... Um, so not in the cemetery itself, but I know that um, the... Who was the kid? The Sundance kid? Uh-huh. He was known to... Um, have a hideout there and mm-hmm. stuff. Okay. He had a hideout there, and there's three there's three crimi- three outlaws that are not famously known that are buried there. Um, I'd have to look them up, but they they have all three names like on one headstone. You know what? I actually have a picture of that headstone too. I'll send it to you. That's really cool. Yeah, because it talks about them on that. But <clears throat> yeah, Mary is our social media queen, by the way. All of our social media: <laughs> Facebook, Twitter. Instagram, all that, that is all handled by Mary. Yes, so. thank you, Mary. Thank You're you, welcome. Mary. But if you are talking to Eric or Janine, we sometimes forget to sign into the actual murder myth mystery page, and you'll see our names, which is fine. Yeah, we're but all on there to some We degree. try to sign our names if it is coming from the main page, so yeah. you know who you're talking to. <laughs> I, I but don't I'm know. sure I you can tell if you're starting to realize our personality. I can't speak for Eric, but I'm not very socially inclined. <laughs> you, you've posted once. I'm semi 
socially inclined. Mary is our guru, so it's because that's my job. So, but literally. I don't understand needless- these the chirpers, <laughs> right? <laughs> Neither ne- needless to say, I do read all the posts that people post. Yes, and the stories. So, thank you. That we definitely do. I, I do. do read everything that comes through, whether it's you know Instagram or on, especially on Facebook. Um, yeah, I read everything on there and I reply to quite a bit of them. So I really read everything except Twitter. I don't know how to get into Twitter yet. You don't know how to chirp? No, I meant to have Mary help me set up an account, but I haven't got that far. So. We'll do it after this episode. Okay. God, we're so old. I know, I know. I never felt I never thought I'd be this way, but right, damn kids and their yeah. chirpers. Yeah. All right, so Mary, why don't you go ahead and lead us on here with your myth, then? Sure. Um, all right, guys. My myth is all about the mythological creature known as the Selkie. The Selkie? Uh-huh. Do you guys know? Have you heard of that? Uh, no. Spell it for me. It's S-E-L-K-I-E-S. Selkies. The Selkies. Okay. No. Okay. Are they like seal-like creatures that shed their skin? Oh. Am I close? Yes. Okay. <laughs> You're I think very I, excited I think about I read it. a book. Yeah, um, there's lots of books. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, this is a popular uh, folklore found in Ireland, Scotland, and Icelandic culture. So, what's a selkie, you ask? Well, per the lore, they are, as Janine said, seals that are able to shed their skin and become human on land. They are described as gentle souls who love the water more than anything. P.S. I just swallowed my gum. (laughs) You guys all heard that. Sorry about that. (laughs) I was trying to do Eric's friend's trick and it backfired on me. (laughs) They are often seen dancing in the moonlight along shores. The stories of the Selkies usually revolve around relationships, but these aren't your happily ever after endings. These are more tragedy-like tales, more so for the females. And I will explain. Male selkies, when they're in their human form, are described as being super attractive and masters of seduction. Like me. Yep, that's exactly what I thought when I was doing research on this. (laughs) They tend to seek out women who are dissatisfied with their lives one way or another, but it's usually a married woman waiting for her fisherman husband to return. As the lore goes, if the woman wishes to contact with a male selkie, she must shed seven tears in the sea when the tides are high. He will then come to her and they will become lovers. So basically when I read that, I was thinking it's an escort service. So That you pay with tears. I'm yes. sorry, this sounds really a lot like a Homer Simpson episode to a Simpsons episode. Oh, you'll have to tell us after the okay. end. Okay, so when a woman went missing into the sea, apparently the explanation for this was that she went home with the, the handsome young, young selkie man. But I did want to point out something. Side note, if I ever go missing in the sea, it's not because of a selkie man. I just straight up drown because I can't fucking swim. But <laughs> if I go missing in Bear Lake, Loch Ness, or the Okanagan Lake, oh god, we all know what to blame. I'm just saying, okay? The fact that she can't fucking swim. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure that's it. Okay, yeah. whatever. Let's move on with the female selkies. They are absolutely beautiful. If a man is able to steal a female selkie skin, she is in his power and is forced to become his wife. The female will never be truly happy because her love is the sea and will constantly long for it. 
The husbands usually hide their skin so they cannot return. However, if the female does find it, she will go home to the sea, leaving her husband and children if they ever had any. So, bye-bye. That is exactly the (laughs) same as the book I read. Yeah, this is a lesson for anyone out there. You can't steal our shit, force us into marriage, have kids, and expect (laughs) us to stay around. Wow. (laughs) I love how there was like life lessons in there. I know. You know what this is reminding me of is the original Little Mermaid, the Hans Christian Andersen uh, version of Little Mermaid, which in that one there, I mean, she suffers horribly. To come on, lad. It, it's painful on her feet. They bleed and she's yeah. crying in pain. And he makes her dance for him and all this other stuff. You know, yeah. it's ba- she's basically like oh, a slave. Oh, those hotels are just horrible. Well, and then to go back to the sea, she had to kill the prince. Yeah. 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 She killed the prince who wasn't. She prince. didn't kill the prince. In... She died. Oh, she, she did in, die. You're she right. She turned into sea mist. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And she looked over the prince and his new wife. Okay, so I'm glad we came to this point because I was going to say, let's talk about other lores. We have very similar stories with swan maidens, mermaids, and sirens. Now, swan maidens are very much like the selkies. They can shed their skin as they please to become human. Then there's sirens that have now since been bunched with mermaids, but they're actually two different myths. Yeah, that's Greek. Well, not only that, but they think sirens are mermaids, which they're not. Mermaids are half woman, half fish, and a siren is half woman, half bird. Really? I've never heard the bird part I've of I've never siren. heard that either. If you look up sirens, it'll be immediately birds and show you pictures. Huh. Ooh, Janine right is fact-checking <laughs> my shit. Wow. Um, <laughs> so they have, they have wings, and so they're like a, like a human with wings kind of deal? Yeah. Okay. Even their babies are described as being like little bird with human heads, which huh. just sounds adorable. It does. <laughs> now, of course, there's mermaids who uh, have, you know, they have the hard life because they have to bargain with a misunderstood sea witch, give up their voice, <laughs> dance for a living. Poor you know what? Never mind. That's a souls. story for another day. <laughs> poor, poor, unfortunate <laughs> souls. But yeah, that's the that's the lore of the Selkies. Wow. Well, that's pretty cool that the whole. Stealing their skin. I mean, they if, if they love the water so much, then why would they do that, though? Why would they shed their skin and come on land is my big thing. I mean, Because I can, they want to dance under the moonlight. It's, <laughs> they're, they're big hippie ravers. Pagan. They're going to Burning Man. I mean, yeah. okay. So I see sirens depicted with as both half fish, half woman, and with bird wings. But the very first mention of them is birds which i would would probably be from like homer's odyssey Mm -hmm. or something yeah that's what i'm thinking yeah but um but hmm. you know how who's to say that these aren't creatures visiting us from outer space throughout our throughout time (laughs) (laughs) like and then like they you see them and then you have to tell invent a story about their origin because they don't make sense there so there's actually (laughs) a lot of answers to a lot of those so um Mermaids, they believe that the story of the mermaid actually came from a close relative of the manatee. I did know that. Yeah, yeah. so it's a similar, it's a creature very similar to the manatee. I can't remember what they're called right off the top of my head, but that's where they believe that the legend of the of those came because they can look from the water. They look very human like. Right. Is there swimming? And you know, these sailors have been at sea for several months <laughs> without seeing a woman. When I go to Sea World, I look at the manatees and think they do look a lot like I, me. They do look a lot alike. <laughs> well, then, as far as the Selkies go, 
they have kind of an origin for that. Um, there's a couple theories. Fairies. <laughs> Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, back in the day, obviously, medical, modern medical, you know, abnormalities, something wasn't explained. It was always blamed on the fairies. Yeah, because fuck those guys. So <laughs> if people had like webbed feet or uh, hands, mm-hmm. fairies. Yeah. But mainly the big one for the origin of the Selkies are uh, the women of Finnish in Sami. I believe is it was S-A-M-I. Sami? Sami. Okay. Mm-hmm. They could have easily been mistaken for um, Selkies because their kayaks and clothing were seal skin. But they would um, go up on land and dry out their kayaks and their clothing, therefore taking them off. And who knows? Maybe they just wanted to dance around naked. And Plus, so they're Scandinavian women, which so they have the dark hair, beautiful and Scandinavian women. We know how those Scandinavian. Do you have a crush on a Scandinavian? I am a Scandinavian woman? man. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, uh, he married a a Jewish Spanish Irish chick. So right? sorry, <laughs> I don't know what. But I was yeah, thinking. so that was another one of their their ideas that they were just drying out their kayaks and clothing, and you know, here's a bunch of seal skin. Next to you. I'm curious, do you know where the wings came into play on the well, sirens? That's probably how they got to the rock is probably one of the things. Because the sirens would stay on the rocks and they would lure the the sailors to the rocks. And with their voices. With their voices. They'd mm-hmm. sing and, and the sailors would be like, oh, I need to see this beautiful voice. And then they'd crash into the rocks and then they'd eat the sailors. Um, so, I mean, as far as how they got to the rocks, it would have to be either they swam to the rocks or they flew to the rocks. So, so yeah, I mean, it's... It's in Greek art that sirens were representative, uh, represented <laughs> as birds <laughs> with large women heads, bird feathers, and scaly feet. Hmm. Yeah, it's, it's, origin stories are always fun. My favorite from the Greeks, as far as origin, where where they think that these things come from, anyway, is Cyclops, um, and where they think that that came from is elephant skulls. Because if you've ever looked at an elephant skull, obviously they're huge, right? It's a freaking mm. elephant. But they have a huge hole in the middle of them uh, where you would think that an eyeball would be is what it looks like. Huh. It's where a giant eye, but it's where their trunk is on, a, on the elephant. It's the hole for oh. their trunk to come in or whatever into the skull there. But it looks like it would be one giant eye cavity when really the eyes, since it's an elephant, their eyes are on the side. Because they have those big, huge foreheads right. and then their trunk. Right. So it looks oh. like it's, so yeah, they have a big bulbous forehead on them and then a big hole and then the rest of the of the skull on there. So that's where they most uh, historians believe that the idea of cyclops came from is somebody saw this skull and thought that it was a giant one-eyed creature interesting yeah huh. pretty fun and i'm i didn't know sirens had the 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 concept of wings either mm-hmm. so i think that's it's interesting yeah i've always just thought of them as women on the rocks so. and i did read a book i know i read a book this about selkies I, that was like the story was She'd, yeah, I she'd read come a, onto land, and she'd fallen in love and had kids, and then had to make this decision of whether or not to go back. Yeah, I read a book uh, a long time ago, and I think, if I remember right in doing my research, there's even a YouTube video of it in animation form, but it's the Selkie Bride, I believe is what it's called, and it's like three brothers are out fishing in the moonlight, and then they hear laughter, and you know, singing and they creep up on some rocks and they see that it's, you know, the Selkies women. And so they steal the skin 
Oh, yeah. And then the one brother who just fell in love with one of the one of them, um, he realized that she wasn't happy. Eric's laughing. I just thought of the SNL skit. Wait, I'm not done. You can tell that in a minute because I know where you're going to go. But he saw that she wasn't happy and so he gave her skin back. But um, one of the other brothers, you know, married and the lady found her skin and she left in the middle of the night. So the third brother was afraid that his wife was going to do the same. So he took her skin and threw it into fire, like an outdoor fire pit. Oh. And she started screaming and went in after it and then obviously died. Um, but for the, the younger brother who gave the skin back to the selkie woman she came up every night to visit him and then the story goes like he built a little house out on the edge of shore and she would come and see him nice oh how sweet it sounded like when you started saying like three brothers and and three selkies like my first thing was Nora roberts books because she likes to do it in threes and it's always like Three brothers or three friends. And then there's always like three women to go with that. Wow. She writes a trilogy and it's a romance. So tell us about the Homer episode. And then (laughs) Eric's been dying to talk about an SNL. It's okay. So the the Simpson episode was when Homer went off to, he was a sailor, went off to sea or to fish. I can't remember which. But she falls in love with Ned, who is like this very handsome. So I was thinking like the male version of the Selkie. Right. Uh, And then she had to make this decision you go home to home yeah, i'll have to find it it's pretty hysterical okay hysterical right and then yeah snl has a recurring skit about mermaids. mermaids or whatever that yeah somebody finds the mermaids and first you meet the first two mermaid daughters it's like you know, it's your nora king, mermaid king or whatever it's like you can marry one of my daughters kind of thing stranded sailor or whatever you know and you see, you know, the beautiful daughter or whatever. She's singing to him or whatever. Then you meet the next one. Hello, my name is Ephanora or whatever, you know. And then you meet the third one and she's part blobfish. And yes, yeah, so she's just horribly disfigured. And yeah, it's Kate McKinnon that plays and it. She and she nails it. Oh, so she's just funny. so Oh my brilliant. gosh, please post the link. The last time they did it, they had Scarlett Johansson was also on there. And she was also part blobfish, I think, on it as well. Both of them were. They were just absolutely disgusting. Yeah, well, they're like, the you want of- a tag team? And- <laughs> yeah. What's the point? of him being blobfish does he have to pick the third one no, well no it's just, it's just funny it's just the first kind of funny yeah the first two are gorgeous she's but yeah the, well no the, it's the third three sailors and three mermaids oh that's yeah. right so the one's three like sailors, oh you'll marry me and the other's like you'll marry me and then the other the blob she's like yeah you get me you get to bone me every <laughs> night yeah, yeah, yeah. and like just mucus is coming <laughs> off her. it's so disgusting yeah Great. oh please post that that's okay, hysterical. Sure. absolutely brilliant <laughs> yeah well thank you mary that was really great yeah I didn't some new th- learn some new things even after I'd read a book about it. <laughs> Books are good. Even after you read a book. Good for you. <laughs> it was a long time ago. I'm pretty sure it was like a junior sort of. There's book. also a movie. I watched the trailer. Uh, that's about it. Is it a scary movie? <laughs> no, it's a, just it's called a, The Little Mermaid. No, it's <laughs> no. called Selkie and it was made in 2000. Huh. The trailer did not capture me at all in the one minute and 30 seconds. So. <laughs> I also have ADHD. <laughs> it's got to be really good to capture you. I would imagine so. All right, Eric, let's hear your mystery. All right, gang. So when I say Foo Fighters, what is the first thing that pops in your head? Music. Right. The Dave Grohl-led rock group. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Well, Dave took the name from a term coined in 1944 by Allied aircraft pilots in World War II. The word foo was first created by cartoonist Bill Holman in the early 1930s in his comic strip Smokey Stover. Smokey was a firefighter, and the comic followed his wacky adventures on the job. Smokey would refer to fire as foo, and he drove a foo-mobile, or fire engine, if you will. Fast forward to November 27, 1944. The 415th Night Fighter Squadron were on patrol over the skies of Germany, when all of a sudden the pilots noticed that they were being followed. However, it wasn't the German Messerschmitt that you might expect, or any other type of airplane for that matter. No, they were being followed by glowing balls of light. The objects were extremely fast and maneuverable, so all attempts to escape them were unsuccessful. You know, pause. <laughs> <laughs> Janine and I both look at each other to say something. Yes. I hate it when I'm getting chased by balls. Oh, Jesus yes. Christ. Did you just stop me to say that? I was going to say gremlins and their little aircrafts. Right. Well, this is even a little more so than gremlins. So... Uh, all attempts to escape them were unsuccessful. Luckily, they didn't seem to be hostile in nature. The glowing objects seemed to fly in formation and behaved as if under intelligent control. Then they just vanished. Mm. After the squadron returned to base and were being debriefed, Donald Myers, a radar operator with the 425th, was quite upset about the or excuse me, 415th, was quite upset about the whole ordeal. He pulled out a copy of the Smokey Stover comic that he kept in his back pocket and slammed it down on the desk and said, It was another of those fucking Foo Fighters, and stormed out. (laughs) Well, the term stuck with the 415th, who all continued to refer to the objects as fucking Foo Fighters. The unit commander then shortened it to just Foo Fighters, for prosperity's sake, about a month (laughs) later. Some also referred to the objects as Kraut Fireballs, but the name lost out to the cooler-sounding Foo Fighters. Now, the thought of these objects being extraterrestrial in nature was initially frowned upon for obvious reasons. The initial thought was that these were part of some experimental German weapon, seeing as the Nazis did have some pretty amazing mad scientists at their disposal. However, both German and Japanese pilots had also reported similar sightings. Yep, these were also being seen over in the Pacific by both Japanese and Allied forces. Though in the Pacific, they were described as a large burning sphere that seemed to hover in place. Some thought that these could have been balloons, since the, uh, since the Japanese were known to make fusen bakudan, or balloon bomb, as it translates. These were basically a hydrogen balloon that could carry bombs in the jet stream to the U.S. or Canada. The thought is that these balloons could easily catch on fire due to the hydrogen gas, so. The military took these sightings very seriously and did some formal investigation into these now officially named Foo Fighters. Many theories were presented, but none of them concrete. One of the most popular theories was an electrostatic weather phenomenon known as St. Elmo's Fire, in which luminous plasma is created by a coronal discharge from a sharp or pointed object during a thunderstorm or other electric field in the atmosphere. It manifests itself as a glowing blue or violent ball, excuse me, violet ball, and is usually seen on ship masts, lightning rods, or even cattle horns, which would be awesome to see. It is also (laughs) frequently seen on aircraft nose cones or the tips of the wings. Though a pretty good, okay, what? (laughs) I'm sorry, it's just because everything you say is sounding really dirty to me. (laughs) 
I'm having a hard time with that. And I was just laughing because... You said rot. <laughs> I know. I'm such a dork. I'm only laughing because you were so well-read and Janine and I can have everything like in our heads or right now and we're still such hot messes. <laughs> so I know we all look for each other's goof-ups. <laughs> and then you said Violet wrong and I thought it was funny. Because right. I said violent instead of violent. Okay. I own that. All right. Fool. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> so, though a pretty good explanation, the pilots swore that the objects were not right off the tips of their aircraft. They also could have been an optical illusion created by reflections of light from the ice crystals. Though the items coming at night somewhat hampers that idea as well. Maybe Janine will finally get her evidence of aliens here but we may never know the whole truth about these <laughs> mysterious UFOs. It sounds like ev- it sounds like aliens, right? It sounds like evidence. <laughs> it does sound like evidence. <laughs> like of it, they're aliens. seeing them all over the world, not just one place. And they they weren't just in the 40s. They were reported quite a while after that as well uh, by pilots all around the world. So like early aliens, early early visitors. Well, I'm just saying, like, after that, even, like, in the 1950s and 60s, like, in Vietnam, apparently, they saw, they were seeing these things. Still, like, er, I mean, early in our history, visiting us early in our history. What is, what do you consider early in our history? You know, we've been around a lot longer than the 1940s. I am thoroughly confused yeah, by but that nothing statement, before, Nothing before the 1940s really matters. It's like, you know, last century, early. Well, okay, all right. But there was ideas of aliens before that, like War of the Worlds in the 1890s. All right, fair enough. H.G. Wells, which if you've never read that book, do yourself a favor oh, and no. read that book. It I've is tremendously it. good, yeah. and especially considering when it was written, because people weren't talking about aliens. Yeah. Yeah, they weren't talking about any of that stuff, even robots and stuff like that. Man, he was so ahead of his time. I know, exactly. Like, to have that sort of imagination before you had, like, all of the inputs that we have today. Yeah, yeah, it was. it's simply incredible. I love that we have our own little niches. Like, I'm all about murder. I think everyone's probably guessed that by now. Janine's those mysteries. (laughs) Right. And Eric's the mythological stuff. So, I know, it's great. It's really great. We all do have But we do all like the other stuff, too. Yeah, Yeah, there's interest definitely in all of them, yeah. But, yeah, we all have our little favorites. I think I mentioned on a previous podcast about the book I read where it was a building that protected them from this alien civilization that wanted to eat us. And the creator of the building was the grandchild, great-great-grandchild of H.G. Wells. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought that was kind of a cool tie-in. Yeah, that, that is, is really a cool tie-in. It's a great book. What was the book again? It's 14. The number 14. I've never, I don't recall you ever talking about this. Dang it. She might now have done it on the Enough About You. It might you. have been the number four. <laughs> now that oh, I'm thinking geez. about it. <laughs> it's either four or four the, the author was Peter Klein. There, so Klein. you should be able to find it through that. And, and so he is related to H.G. Wells? No, no, in the book. Oh, in the character. The character. Oh, yeah. That takes some of the thunder away from it. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, I'm not impressed. Thanks, though. Yeah. I thought it was clever. Mm. <laughs> it was a clever tie-in. Mm. Okay, sure. Are you okay. going to get an alien tattoo one day? 
I, yeah, maybe. I, I don't, don't know. know. We seem to th- we we keep going on about her obsession with aliens, and she's really not that obsessed with aliens. <laughs> I think we push it on her more. We've really created this whole <laughs> illusion. This, this people thing are going of, to start sending her like little alien pictures and drawings. That would be. Cool. I think right. that it's a fascinating concept. I agree. Have you ever stopped at the little alien jerky shop down in Bakersfield or mm. Baker, whatever that is, uh, down in California? California? No. Yeah. no. Oh, it's great. Yeah. yeah. This is it, so it's the gateway to Death Valley. It's 120 degrees there down there oh, in the God. summertime. It's so just. And they have the largest thermometer. To yeah, though it doesn't work hot. anymore. I think they might have taken it down or something. Oh. I heard somebody someone, was telling me something got about that. Poisoned by the mercury. <laughs> it was digital. <laughs> was the funny thing. But uh, anyway, there's a, a little shop there, and you can't miss it because there's a million signs before you get there. Like once you leave Vegas. There's like every other mile, there's a sign, oh, alien jerky, alien jerky, everywhere you're going. And they have a UFO sitting outside and little aliens and cars and stuff like it's that. And, and they make their own little jerky, which they make uh-huh. a bunch of different flavors of jerky. It's, it's actually, actually pretty decent, It is too. really good. And they sell a bunch of different hot they sauces They have an alien fortune teller that I always pay a dollar that's awesome. Yeah, it's, that sounds like a lot of fun. It's really the only reason to stop in Baker, unless you're going to Death Valley. So, yeah, is it Baker? <laughs> yeah, it's Baker. Yeah, Baker's, I thought it was Bakersfield. Maybe I it's Bakersfield. Bakersfield well, there's Baker and there's Bakersfield. So oh. I, I don't know. I've, I'm getting them mixed up. So I think it's Baker. Anyway, we're not yeah. a news station. Look it up. Yeah, we don't live in California. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, it's a fun little stop right there. So, anyway, well, thank you. You, Thank you, Eric. You're welcome. Are we done? Yeah, that that wraps up our episode this week. I think people are going to be really impressed with our opening on this episode versus last week's episode. Because <laughs> it was so much shorter. we all had the giggles. Yeah. yeah. So many takes. So well, many takes. that's it. We are done. Remember, you can find us on TuneIn, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, on Facebook, MMM Podcast, on Twitter, MMM underscore podcast and instagram murder myth mystery hit us up on there we want to hear your feedback let us know what you think leave us a review on itunes uh, and send us your stories if you have fun stories maybe it's a favorite myth or a favorite murder or favorite mystery that you would like to hear us talk about we can certainly take a look at that and we may be able to make that happen and last but not least thanks for listening thank you bye thanks guys Bye. bye